Hello and welcome to Georgia's Poetry Workshop. I hope you've had a lovely week and that you've got a lot of writing done. Today I would like to focus on ideas of sleep, dreams, nightmares and the ethereal. I had quite an interesting dream last night. I dreamt that I was a pirate and that my partner in crime and I were collecting these huge discs, gold discs that we called lagoons. I suppose it's, I've, I've got doubloons and lagoons kind of in my head and they've created something else called lagoons. And as they were spent, the, the colour changed. Um, so we went from a gold to a silver to a kind of brassy colour. And the, as the, as the colour sort of faded, it meant that it would became more and more worthless and unable to be spent. And then with the crew, we try to drag this enormous shark's tooth. When I say enormous, it was probably half the size of the ship um, into the, um, under the deck. And we all try to eat pieces of the shark tooth. So I'm not sure what that means. I don't know. <laughs> it was a really interesting dream. It was very fun. And at the moment, talking to friends and family, a lot of people seem to be having some strange dreams at the moment. So I thought maybe today we'll have a, a look at some poems that encompass ideas of sleep uh, or a kind of otherworldliness. I've also been teaching some Keats and I wanted to read one of his poems to you called La Belle Dame Sans Merci, which is a ballad. There's a really beautiful reading by, I think it's Ben Wishaw, that you can find on YouTube. But I'm going to read this now to kick us off. La Belle Dame Sans Merci, a ballad. Oh, what can ail thee, knight at arms, alone and palely loitering, the sedge has withered from the lake, and no birds sing. O oh, what can ail thee, knight-at-arms, so haggard and so woe-begone? The squirrel's granary is full, and the harvest's done. I see a lily on thy brow, with anguish moist and fever dew, and on thy cheeks a fading rose, fast withereth too. I met a lady in the meads, full beautiful, a fairy's child. Her hair was long, her foot was light, and her eyes were wild. I made a garland for her head, and bracelets too, and fragrant zone. She looked at me as she did love, and made sweet moan. I sat her on my pacing steed, and nothing else saw all day long. For sidelong would she bend and sing a fairy's song. She found me roots of relish sweet, and honey wild and manna dew, and sure in language strange she said, I love thee true. She took me to her elfin grot, and there she wept and sighed full sore, and there I shut her wild, wild eyes with kisses for. And there she lulled me asleep, 
and there I dreamed, ah, woe betide, the latest dream I ever dreamt on the cold hillside. I saw pale kings and princes too, pale warriors, death pale were they all. They cried, La belle dame son merci, thee hath in thrall. I saw their starved lips in the gloam, with horrid warning gaped wide, and I awoke and found me here on the cold hillside. And this is why I sojourn here, alone and palely loitering, though the sedge is withered from the lake, and no birds sing. I really love this piece. Um, uh, it's, as you can hear, it's about a kind of beautiful elfin woman that leaves a man, and this is part of the um, A-level English uh, literature anthology, which is about love and relationships. So we, we've been studying the kind of ideas of the femme fatale, this woman destroying this man by leaving him. But I do, I do really enjoy these, these ideas that he's kind of completely got the wrong end of the stick <laughs> as well when he says, um, where is it? And sure in language strange, she said, I love thee true. I'm not sure if, if in this moment he actually understands what she's saying when, and sure in language strange, she said, I don't know whether he is sure or whether he's like, yeah, of course, sure. Um, in that way where, where we use that word to sort of um, imply that we half know or believe we know what, what's being said to us. I get this impression that he's kind of created an idyllic woman in his head and she doesn't fulfill his romanticised idea of her. And just reading that now, in terms of the rhythm here, I like the fact that in the penultimate line that's repeated from the first stanza. So in the first stanza, we have the sedge has withered from the lake and no birds sing. Then in the final stanza, we have an addition, we have an extra syllable though the sedge is withered from the lake and no birds sing. It's quite interesting how that just adding that additional word changes the rhythm to slow down the pace to then enable the poem to come to a conclusion. So that might be something to think about in terms of developing your own work. Maybe if you have that kind of repetition or you want to bring something to a close, can you include an extra syllable to support your final lines? I've been looking into theory a little bit more, Keats's ideas re related um, to this poem and others, and came across his theory of negative capability. Negative capability is this idea that, and I'm quoting this from the British Library's website, I'll put the name of the essay in the sort of references section of the podcast that I include each week in case you want to buy a collection or access some of the texts. It says here, he is using the word negative, not in a pejorative sense, but to convey the idea that a person's potential can be defined by what he or she does not possess. In this case, a need to be clever 
a determination to work everything out. Essential to literary achievement, Keats argues, is a certain passivity, a willingness to let what is mysterious or doubtful remain just that. I feel like, in this sense, we can link this to dreams and how dreams, you know, don't always need to be worked out entirely. They, we might interpret them if we want to, or maybe they can just, but they can also just remain these really interesting and mysterious things. And poetry is like that too. We get sometimes really intimidated about trying to understand a poem and actually we don't need to. We can just feel a poem. We can just be moved by it. We can just connect to it in a way that we don't quite understand and that's perfectly fine and that's part of the wonder of it of it all um and the kind of how poetry has an emotional element to it as we as we all know and so and again we don't have to we can just feel our emotions we don't have to break them down and look at them in in a kind of literary study way. We can just enjoy things, we can just enjoy them. <laughs> and there are quite a few poems that I I feel like that about, or I'm just sort of like, I'm not sure what this poem's actually about, but I really like it anyway. I really find this wonderful. So, uh, as usual, I've got a few poems to read to you about the topic. So they're all quite different. I'm going to start with Jenny King. Um, I was on a course with Jenny King um, last, gosh, two years ago now. Um, she was participating in it and then was selling her collection. And it's just wonderful. It's published by Carcanet, Um and it's called Moving Day. So I'm reading one called Waking to begin. Waking. Dark has gone away, the child said, back to his nest. I remember how he stood in his cot, cheerful as morning. Nowadays, dark lingers, hovers above, waiting for the bad moments, the bad dawns when daylight is not enough, when God is in his heaven, with the door closed. Some mornings I wake afraid, unable to prise off the claws of dark. But today the blue gathers above November's drift of leaves. Innocent cirrus clouds make off before a sharp wind. I get up, move about, drink tea, talk, leave the dark in his nest. I love that moment of hope at the end there that it's um you kind of move away from the nightmare that i believe is what is being represented by this sense of darkness waking up from this kind of sense of foreboding and being able to let it drift away as the day begins another poem i've got here it's a long one it's from Emily Berry's Unexhausted Time. I've used this before. I, th I think I used it in my podcast about listing. So this is quite a different piece. 
and it's called This Spirit. This spirit she came upon me as I slept. In such a way my life or yours could come to be so thoroughly owned. She was reckless. I knew she would make me run away with her. I said, spirit, slow down, but the spirit wanted to ride. But I am so afraid, I said. I have all this tenderness to impart, but the tenderness is not mine to give away. But all your tenderness is your own tenderness, said the spirit. It is not, I said. Why then did you give it all away? I did not give it away. Then it is yours to give away. The spirit riddled like this. If in her arms I read a story. If out of her arms I had the choice to write one, but I chose not. Chose not because I did not know where I was going. Because my path broke down and I had this choice. Stay or split. If I knew that were I to split, one part of me would become a ghost. If I did not know yet which part. If the voice calling me out asked me to describe the splitting, and I did. If I said it was like smoke spiralling outwards. It was like smoke lifting off me, taking on form and leaving me. If it was like a delicate girl I never met but dreamed of. If it was like the flags of my youth fluttering far out at sea. Like breathing out a breath you will never take back in. But you know you can never take any breath back in. If I saw her outside of myself and mourned her like I have mourned no other loss. If I knew it was both a miracle and the most terrible tragedy. To open up, release a flame, watch the flame go. Have you seen it? A flame that can ride water. She was my daughter, and if I could, I would send her to you. If I sent her to you, would you take her? Listen, I ran this out to me because I knew it would burn me down. My trainers press the ground and lift up again. I saw myself on my back in high grass, in high summer, with everything coming to me. How this ghost left me and printed a new person all over me. I would peel her off or live like this. I cried. One or both will destroy me. The spirit called it fate, but I knew it was just drama. I will never know why a good person must die. Fate does not exist, I said. But every door I opened showed yes, yes, yes. I shut each one and locked it. Checked the locks three times. Went back and checked them again. Shook them to be sure drew hearts round the keyhole so the spirits would know I loved her. It wasn't. It was never that I didn't love her. After Nadia Reed. Oh, I've, I've underlined a number of parts of this poem, actually. Um, it's nice to look back at it. I think it's hard to describe this poem. You get that real sense of kind of someone move, someone feeling like they've lost a part of themselves while also losing somebody else. And Barry uses this, these dashes all the way through. This is quite a big piece. It's almost a monologue here. Perhaps we could argue that, yes, it is. Um, and these, these kind of dashes, these pauses are moments where there are conversations or, or, cons or considerations of thought, which 
which highlights, I think, the complexity of the mind and the different things that it, that it considers and thinks about. And so it's definitely worth... I do, as always, recommend the collections that I read. And Unexhausted Time is just a fabulous, a fabulous collection. So another one. Uh, we're going to move to some Carol Ann Duffy from her collection Selling Manhattan. I actually won this um, during a sort of um, unofficial competition at a writing uh, retreat that I went on years ago and it's signed by Duffy for Pennant Roberts who had uh, created this competition for us and the competition was to finish his poem so that was really fun um i am going to read a poem called strange language in night fog strange language in night fog not only the dark but a sudden mist also made where they walked an alien place beasts moaned from nowhere the cows the moon would have, and, to their left, the pond had drowned itself. They stopped, wobbling on straight lines, and watched the common playing hide-and-seek behind the fog. A bush nipped out, then disappeared again. A tree stepped backwards, even their own hands waved at their faces, teasing. But it was a strange language, spoken only yards away which turned the night into a dream, although they told themselves there must be a word for home, if they only knew it. Through her imagery, Duffy has created this sense of mystery through this fog, and things are not quite what they seem. It's very uncanny, and it is the weather here that creates that eth that sense of ethereality. Is that a word? <laughs> and at first glance or first listening, it feels quite peaceful, but it's actually quite a sinister tone. And particularly when Duffy writes, the pond had drowned itself. It's quite a horrifying idea. I think it's this, that the idea that the natural world could be suicidal is quite profound and harrowing to us. An amazing poem. Okay, so one more poem before we do our free writing. So this one is called Moonrise. It's by Gerard Manley Hopkins. It's from The Rattlebag, which is an anthology edited by Seamus Heaney and Ted Hughes. I do like it, but I do wish there were more. A few more women in it. <laughs> It's not the most diverse collection, really. Um, but there are some good, really lovely pieces in it. Moonrise. I awoke in the midsummer not to call night, in the white and the walk of the morning. The moon, dwindled and thinned to the fringe of a fingernail held to the candle, or paring of paradisiacal fruit, lovely in waning but lustreless, stepped from the stool, drew back from the barrow of dark, Manifa the mountain, 
A cusp still clasped him, a fluke yet fanged him, entangled him, not quit utterly. This was the prized, the desirable sight, unsought, presented so easily, parted me leaf and leaf, divided me, eyelid and eyelid of slumber. Now that for me is probably the one that I'm not quite, <laughs> that I'm not quite sure of in terms of, in terms of meaning, I suppose, um, entirely. But I just really enjoy it. I think it sounds wonderful. And just that final line, parted me leaf and leaf, divided me eyelid and eyelid of slumber. Now I did have another word for free writing, but I do think that we should take the word eyelid today. So if you're, this is your first listen to this podcast, we always have a little break in the middle for some free writing. So when you hear me ring the bells, take five to seven minutes or seven to ten minutes to have a go at doing some writing. I give a prompt, which today's is eyelid from the Hopkins, Manly Hopkins. And, but you do not have to use that if you don't want to. So bells incoming and you can pause when you hear them and come back for the final prompt. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed doing some free writing there. And if you didn't and you didn't have time today, you can have a go later on or tomorrow. So I'd like to take this opportunity now to say that if you're enjoying my podcasts and they're helping you, please, please consider donating to my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Georgia's Poetry Workshop. It's a way that I collect some donations in order to keep the podcast running and to be able to offer these workshops to people who might not otherwise be able to afford one. Uh, the equivalent of a, of a cup of coffee would be fantastic and help me to continue to, to make them, these podcasts. So um, thank you very much in advance for your support. The final prompt today, of course, looks at dreams, nightmares, etc. And I'm actually taking these prompts from one from a workshop and one from a book, both uh, run and uh, written by the same person, Joan Harton. And during the workshop, she said to us, okay, write down a dream, um, a dream or two, or a dream and a nightmare. And what you do is you cut out the words that you've used to describe that dream and you place them all on the floor and then you make a poem out of the words, like a collage. So you'll pick out the key words that you want from those and use them to create a poem. So you'll end up with something quite, perhaps quite strange, quite um, making what, f making the unfamiliar even more unfamiliar <laughs> through taking a dream and, and, and breaking it down in this way. But you might also just create a few lines that you can insert into another poem. Of course, you can write a poem about a dream and 
just directly from from your experience of that as well I do enjoy doing some of the kind of cutting and sticking aspects um, mainly as well because it helps me find new vocabulary for other poems later it helps me really consider specific words because I actively have to choose them out of a pile from the floor so um, that's those are two tasks that might um, interest you to try the other one here is from Jones um, or I should say Harton's book and this is an idea called it's in the box and what you do is you take a cardboard box and you cut you sort of cover it up um, and you cut a hole in the side of it so you could use an old shoe box or something like that if you wanted to if you had one lying around and then what you do is you think about your dream or your nightmare and you place your hand inside the box and you answer questions sensory questions about it so you consider what your dream feels like what it smells like sounds like tastes like um what it looks like if you were to take it out of the box how does it feel is it heavy what does it look like is it lonely can you sense an emotion around it is there anything um i'm reading here from um harton's book is there anything it wants to tell you she writes then now drop it what does it do explode laugh turn into something else so you you're writing these kind of short lines as you answer these questions and you should end up with something you can work with so i'd like to read the example used here so the dream title is a tornado's coming so the dream just as is says i'm in a house with my children my eldest son shouts for me to look out of the window when I look, I see a whirlwind tornado heading, a whirlwind slash tornado, heading straight for us over the fields. I grab my children and we hide under the table. So she's taken the image of the tornado from the dream and has done this activity. And this is the poem that comes out of it. It smelled of sweet almonds, twisting grey in the air as it fell like a cat mewing circular mantras its centre as soft as whipped cream oozed over the ground and then rose again lifting me up and casting me back down when it was done with me just such a it's, it's a short how many lines is this one two three four five ten lines and it's just an amazing new way of thinking about a tornado i think and this comes from connecting with the senses. So I hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. Thank you very, very much for listening. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Many thanks again, as always, to Portamento for the music. And you can find me on Twitter at GC the Writer to share any work and yeah, I look, I look forward to it. So thanks again and see you next time. <laughs>